This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. His Twitter handle is at the real Donald Trump. And this afternoon, it's hard to figure out who that is. And that may not be a bad thing. After his unrelenting, tough, belligerent, divisive stands on any issue or group you can think of, immigration, Mexicans, Muslims, Hillary Clinton, even overweight beauty queens, he adopted a whole new demeanor and a much softer approach in his first interview as president-elect last night. He was measured and thoughtful when he spoke to Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes. He said that that wall with Mexico would be a fence in some areas, and uh, he said he's going to concentrate on deporting criminal illegal aliens, not all 12 million undocumented people in the U.S. He's going to keep the most popular provisions of Obamacare, uh, the law that makes it illegal to cut someone off of insurance because of a pre-existing condition, and he'll allow kids to remain on their parents' plans until the age of 26. Remember how often he called Hillary Clinton a criminal and the chance of lock her up at his rallies? Well, he didn't answer whether he would appoint a special prosecutor to go after her. He said his priorities are elsewhere. Sounds like a no to me. Well, to figure it all out, uh, we've got Paul Brown, a former Tory chief of staff who is now a partner at Campbell Strategies. Uh, just before we get to that, I'm going to give you the numbers again. Of course, we want to hear your take on this. The numbers 416 360 0740, toll free 1 866 740 4740. And Paul Brown, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure, Libby. Well, uh, what did you make of it all when you saw him on 60 Minutes last night? Well, like you, I thought it was a pretty remarkable transformation from candidate Trump to uh, president-elect Trump. Uh, It was a notable shift, both in the tone and the substance, from what he said on the campaign trail. And as interesting, he didn't answer all the questions. He didn't go down every rabbit hole, as candidate Trump would have done. Uh, He was, as you said, careful and measured. Uh, I think it reflects the fact that his history as a Republican candidate is very different from past uh, Republicans. He, he's never been an ideologue. He's very much a populist. And you saw that uh, through the campaign. Uh, and I think you're starting to see that now as he assumes the mantle of office. Well, he um, has uh, made great hay of the fact that he's not a politician. But uh, it seems political to me that basically he says whatever, I mean, he's brilliant at figuring out what's necessary to be said uh, to get him to the next thing. But he sort of, he said what's necessary to get him elected. And now he's saying what's necessary again. What is the real authentic Donald Trump? 
Well, that's going to <laughs> unveil itself in a number of ways over the coming days and weeks. Uh, as, he, as he makes choices, you have to look closely at who he chooses to uh, put around him in, in the White House and really closely at the cabinet ministers he, uh, he appoints, because as you know, in the United States, they're all appointed, not elected. And that'll tell the initial tale of where he's going uh, to be k- taking America in the coming uh, in the coming years. Uh, look at the appointments, both personnel in the White House and in the cabinet offices. Okay, well, let's look at some of the appointments he's made so far. I mean, at first it looked like Chris Christie, uh, governor of New Jersey, was was going to be the chief of staff, and he was replaced by Rance Priebus, who is a much more moderate kind of a guy. Uh, Vice President Pence. Uh, sorry? Yes, but, yes, sorry. Yeah, um, that tells a lot, uh, Libby, uh, yeah. that he moved uh, Pence, who's a uh, an experienced hand in Congress, a former governor, uh, from a midwestern state, that's a that's a significant sign to uh, I think to people around the world and also to his Republican base that he's going to be going with uh, more experienced. And he said this throughout the campaign trail. If you listen closely through all some of the more uh, extraordinary rhetoric he used, he always uh, said he wanted to bring in experienced people to uh, manage uh, the affairs of state and. The appointment of, uh, of Vice President uh, Pence, Vice President-elect Pence, to uh, chair the transition is significant, and also the choice as his chief of staff, uh, Mr. Priebus, uh, that's also significant because he's been a long-time uh, Republican stalwart. Um, right. So what message would that send to his base, the people who got him there? Well, his base is a mixture, and that's going to be the challenge. Uh, he was a populist. Uh, and so there's uh, that element in the Republican Party that they let in, this sort of Tea Party contingent, and they're very different than the traditional Republican base. Uh, but I think generally what he's saying, he's saying, I'm going to res- govern responsibly, and I'm going to try my best, <laughs> as, as best he can, uh, to respect your wishes. Uh, but we shouldn't fool ourselves. He's got to... You know, he had some pretty fiery rhetoric on the campaign trail that uh, that we all know and heard in Canada, and some of it was quite disturbing. Oh, and and so he's going to have to prove. You know, to me, it's always I listen to what people say, and you look at what they do. Well, uh, the other appointment, of course, is Steve Bannon, uh, who. Uh he trusts, apparently. Um, he's chief strategist. This is the guy uh, from the uh, so-called alt-right website, Breitbart News. Uh, he's been labeled as an anti-Semite. He's been labeled as a lot of things. What do you make of that? That appointment's very troubling. And, uh, and I think we should all be troubled by that appointment. Uh, you know, I, I get that he wants to send a message to sort of that part of the Republican Party that likes that kind of messaging. But that's a troubling appointment. My experience uh, up here in Canada working on campaigns for the past 40 years is that uh, the people who actually run the campaigns and are good at that kind of stuff are often not very good in the managing of government. And there's often a, a big shift between election campaign strategy and management and then running a government. And I think you're going to see that over the next uh, few months in the United States because campaign people aren't often good government people. So, I mean, what do you think? Do you, I mean, chief strategist, that could 
you know, mean anything. Uh, it, it's yeah, they, they say that he's going to have direct access of the, to, to the president, not have to go through uh, his chief of staff. But, I, you know, my experience working in governments at all three levels in Canada, what starts happening, structure comes in place. And uh, his ability to do stuff on his own will be limited. And I, I think you're going to see a change in the, over the coming months. And I, and I think we should expect it. And we've seen it before in other governments. The campaign-type people usually can't deal with the uh, responsibilities or the accountability of running a government, especially the American government. What about uh, Christie? Has he been totally shoved aside? I don't think so. You, you sort of know that there's kind of a relationship between those two, and, and Christie is certainly a, a capable politician. But because of the uh, recent convictions of his former staffers in Bridgegate, yeah. uh, th- that's going to be a problem for him to play any big role. I mean, how can a guy like that who's... who's has had that kind of problem going in, in as a, for example, as an attorney general or any kind of law enforcement role. Um, speaking of convictions, I mean, uh, Trump has a pending uh, case for fraud to do with Trump University, and he said he wants it postponed till after he takes office. Like, what is that? That's trying to avoid uh, responsibility and accountability, and good luck for that, you know, uh, you know, this guy's got a lot of history in business, and uh, when you're in business, you're going to have to be accountable for your decisions. But he's now the president-elect of the United States. I think he's going to be given uh, some room uh, by Americans a little bit, uh, and certainly by other world leaders who are going to have to deal with him and his administration over the next four years. Uh, his past life, and I'm sure there'll be more coming out, you've got to almost expect that, with a guy as colorful and as many involvements as him, um, there's going to be more stuff coming out. Yep. Uh, he's going to have to focus on governing. Let me just give the numbers out again. Our listeners here uh, over the course of a, of a long time have had a lot to say about Donald Trump, much of it quite positive, uh, some people very negative. Now I want to hear, what do you think of the Donald Trump that we saw yesterday? Uh are you confused about who this guy is, uh, the one who is supposed to be so authentic, um, also reminding him when, when he was told by Leslie Stahl about incidents of, of some of his supporters, you know, bullying Muslims, bullying Latinos, he looked right at the camera and said, stop it, and that he found it disturbing. So uh, I'd like to hear from our listeners about what they make of it all, uh, or is this just the way some people said it would obviously turn out. The numbers 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And I am here with Paul Brown, who is a partner at Campbell Strategies and has worked in government at all three levels. Um, So, Paul, also, what do you make of these demonstrations, anti-Trump demonstrations going on in the United States? Uh, For the most part, they've been relatively peaceful, but there have been some some riots, some arrests. Yeah, people are very worried, and they have a right to be worried based upon uh, statements that he made uh, during the campaign. And so you you can understand that. I've got two kids at uh, university in the States. Oh, really? Where? And, uh, one in the, at Tufts and the other one at USC. And uh, they said the mood around campus was very dark and very... Uh, kids were worried. In, in fact, at one of the schools, they uh, 
the mental health uh, units send out uh, messages to all the kids to come in if they've got some concerns. Uh, and it's, you... it's, it's, it's a real concern because of the nature of that campaign. It was a tough, it was as tough a campaign as I've ever seen in my 40 years involved in politics. Uh, I've got to say one thing about uh, young people demonstrating. You know, Donald Trump got in because a lot of those people did not turn out to vote for Hillary Clinton. He won with fewer votes than Mitt Romney lost with or than John McCain lost with. And a lot of the people who didn't turn out were people who had supported Bernie Sanders. Um, So, uh, you know, when when Rudy Giuliani called them crybabies, I'm I'm almost, I mean, inclined to agree. Well, Libby, that's a terrific point that people are sort of missing because they look at the percentage turnouts. The absolute voter turnout, that is who turned out to vote, was lower this year for Trump versus Romney last time and for Clinton versus Obama last time. And the two interesting states, Libby, are uh, Michigan and Pennsylvania. In Michigan, uh, the turnout was 300,000 less, 300,000 people less for uh Clinton as opposed to Obama, and it was up slightly 100,000 for Trump over Romney. So that's a dramatic decline in the number of people voting, people who the Democrats had counted on. Same thing uh, in Pennsylvania, Uh, a 150,000 drop in the number of Democrats and a 200,000 increase in the number of Republicans in uh, Pennsylvania. And those two states are probably the tail of this past election. People didn't come out to vote. And I know when I'm working on campaigns here, trying to get people to get involved, it's a tough thing. Well, one of the interesting things, one of the many things that that pundits, strategists got wrong about this election was that everybody was expecting a record turnout. And that certainly did not happen. But again, I mean, I, I certainly don't have a problem with protests that are peaceful. But but a lot of these people, you know what? You didn't vote. Right. <laughs> so when what people, do you expect? I tell that. I was just at a, uh, at a dinner party the other night, and people were complaining about some things here in Canada, and I said the exact same thing. I looked at all ten people around the table. I said, have any of you uh, participated? Are you members of parties? Have you given to candidates? And, of course, none of them had. But they were all equally willing to give their opinions on a variety of issues, which is fine. But they probably but, wouldn't be bothered to protest. No, I don't think, not my friends, I don't think so. Yeah, but, I wouldn't. Uh, but no, the, the, you can understand it. And part of what I think uh, President-elect Trump was trying to do in a very forceful way, and you have to give him credit yesterday, was to speak directly to the American people, say, look, things will go well on my watch. If you're trying to exacerbate problems, stop doing it. And you've got to give him credit for trying to do that. The question will be over the next number of months, given what he said during the campaign, he's got the proof's in the pudding, and he's got to demonstrate his willingness to move past the campaign. Okay, Paul, hang on. Uh, let's go to the phones. We've got Ken in Binbrook. Hi, Ken. Good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> uh, sorry, good afternoon. That's right. The reason I'm calling is I hear a lot of negativity towards Trump. And it varies in all age levels. And the thing that's missing with all of this is two things. One, you had a competitor by Hillary Clinton who not only caused major problems with her email, caused major problems with the way she handled herself, i.e. getting the questions before the other candidate, 
and plus the fact that she's receiving multitudes of money from offshore towards her charity. Now, uh, the latest report shows that she only gave out 6 to 8% of the money she collected to the charities. Now, if you're getting $100 million, that's a lot of retained interest and a lot of retained money. So everybody knocks Trump because he says a few things, and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. Donald Trump played the game. When he got into it, he was told politicians will do all kinds of things, say bad things about you, do bad things about you. And the only way you're going to get around this is to play the game, and that's what he's done. And he won. Absolutely, he did. And there are a lot of people saying that Hillary Clinton uh, was the only candidate that would have lost uh, to him. Uh, And, uh, you know, I heard an interesting uh, critique. uh, Well, she was too establishment, too much of a technocrat. Uh, You're right about uh, those donations. And I mean, they've made a fortune since leaving office, all of which uh, has a bit of a, an odor about it. But um, on when those kind of notes, office. Donald Trump is not is is not very much better. I've got to say. Well, I know, but hear me out. When she left office, yeah, she said that her and her husband were broke, and it's it's you know this is recorded history. And now she's worth over a quarter of a million dollars. Now, I don't know about a billion. you, but uh, if I'm going to do public speaking, I may get 150 bucks, not millions. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure you'll get the 150 bucks. Not, <laughs> not that you aren't a terrific speaker, but Ken, thanks for your call. You're welcome. Okay. Well, Libby, on that note, there was a terrific article in the New York Times on Sunday by Frank Brunei sort of analyzing what happened. And one of the things he pointed out was a, a kind of smugness uh, and a sanctimony in the entire Clinton operation. It was a terrific piece, and I think you, you saw that throughout the campaign. And I think that was a, uh, a weakness of, of, of her effort. And... Um, it's almost like we belong, we deserve to win. Well, exactly, and it was it was her turn. And um, I talked right. to uh, Conrad Black uh, on my weekend show, another controversial person, and his take is that the Democrats didn't really have anything positive to offer. You know, mostly what Hillary was saying, you know, it's me or the apocalypse. Right, and, and she got trapped in that kind of negative messaging and never got out anything positive. My experience in campaigns... The two things, the, the, the major motivator in any campaign is the change message. And if people want change, they Absolutely. will vote for change regardless of who's being voted in. It's the most powerful motivator. The second thing, you have to offer people some sense of who you are and what you represent in a positive way. And they just never got around to it. Now, certainly the FBI mess which was, I think was disgraceful. Oh, and the timing of it. I think that had a big impact because I it kind it of too. broke her momentum. It, it definitely did, and it was inexcusable. Uh, that being said, they never got out a positive campaign. They had the sense, and as the Times said, it was a sense of inevitability that she deserved and should be the leader. And that, and that was a problem in their campaign. Paul, uh, let's take uh, another call. We've got Ed and Barry. Hello, Ed. Uh, hi, Libby. Um, 
Yeah, no one was uh, more against Trump than I was, but uh, we're starting to see that his bark is much worse than his biting. Uh-huh. But, uh, I, think, I think the FBI, in the nine days uh, before, uh, really cost the election for Hillary. Uh, and this is why people are so angry, because in those nine days, they had the early voting, 40 million people voted, and uh, when they saw uh, the FBI come again, uh, a lot of the Democrats didn't vote. Then two days before, he rescinds the whole damn thing, and that's what people are angry about. And I think it affected the election much more than people realize. Yeah, and she said, I mean, you know, again, it might just be whining, but but she has blamed uh, stuff on that. And I think there's no question. I thought it was like crazy. and And especially since... He was able in the space of a week to come out and say, nah, there's nothing there. Well, well, why did you have to go into it in the first place? Yeah, I, I really do uh, feel that that cost for the election, and that's what people are so angry about, that they were fooled by the FBI to think that, well, if I vote for her, she's going to wind up being impeached, or, you know, there's going to be nothing but trouble about it. Then when he rescinds it, this, you know, that caused many people not to vote. Uh, you know, even myself, I had doubts then. I said, well, here we go, and it's going to be nothing but but uh, court procedures when she gets in and everything else. Then he rescinds it. That affected the vote very, very much. Okay, Ed, thanks for that. Thank you. Paul, uh, um, you agree with that? I think he's right. I, th- I think the FBI decision was inexplicable. I think it did hurt her. I think it just exacerbated, made it impossible for her to get out a positive message because she was dealing with this whole notion of an email scandal. And uh, I don't get it. We've seen it here in Canada, too, you know, we've, we've, where there's charges uh, made by, uh, by the police authorities in and around election campaign. We've had that before. And uh, it's troubling. I think the whole criminalization of of politics can be a bit of troubling. You know, it's, it's, it's going too far. We have to hold people to account, but uh, sometimes they, it, it just goes too far. Okay, uh, you know what? We have to take a break. This is a great conversation, so we're going to continue it after the break. We're going to take more of your calls, people, and we're going to uh, keep talking to Paul Brown about uh, the new Donald Trump that we saw (laughs) yesterday, how it compares to the old Donald Trump and and what it might mean for us. Before we go, the number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And we're going to be right back after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Uh, I'm going to try to fit uh, as many of these calls in as I can before we have to switch uh, gears. So let's go to Kathy in Toronto. Hello, Kathy. Hello? I can't. Try that again. We might have to. uh, Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, I agree with Ken McCall. There's too much negativity toward uh, Donald Trump. I, I think Conrad Black uh, summed it all up when he was talking to you. Okay, sorry, Ka- Kathy. I don't know uh, what you're calling from, but you're completely breaking up, so I'm afraid I have to let you go. Oh, okay. Try again from a landline. Thank you. Okay, we've got... 
Victor in Brampton. Yeah, how you doing? Fine, how are uh, you? Good. I just want to say a little thing. I know Hillary's having a great time about this. Uh, but if, if she had any common sense or, or just come out of the closet and just say, listen, she's got to stop these people, okay, that's protesting her, uh, protesting Mr. Trump, because she's got to come out and say, please, stop. She's got to go to those people that are protesting face-to-face and say, stop, and you know, make it all better, because I think she's having a great time. She's loving it. Uh, I I think she's you know? probably in a lot of pain, and she's probably in bed with the with the with the blankets pulled up over her head. That's that's what I think. Well, pain or no pain, then let her husband go out there and stop it. I mean, this has got to stop. Someone's going to get hurt. Um, you know? a, a lot of people uh, believe that 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 that's what she ought to be doing. She was pretty yeah. late making that concession speech too. Because I I, don't, I like to mingle in other people's business, but there's a saying in Italian, "Fatti cazzi due." And this is what we believe in. We should all mind our own business and let them take care of their own. Because Trump won, let it go. He won. If he fails, he fails. Give him a chance. Exactly. Thank you for that. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. We've got uh, Noel in Toronto. Hello, Noel. Hi. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm great. I just want to say that, you know what, the gentleman just spoke. I appreciate what he said. And you know what? We want, we want at least one leader who has the guts like Trump to speak up. We want one leader in Canada. So, as, you know, those the people are protesting in Canada. I, I, I don't know. They, I, I think they're all the illegal immigrants who are protesting. No, I, I, I wouldn't think so. There were, I mean, I think there are a couple of hundred people. Uh, I don't know, probably most of the people protesting in the States would be left-leaning younger people. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that point. I'm saying the people in Canada who are protesting, I think they are, they are all the illegal immigrants who are doing this. Oh, I, I, I mean, I, I, based on what? I would say that because I'm also an immigrant. I've come to this country also nine years ago. I've wedged, got myself wedged into the system out here in Canada, forgotten from where I came from because this is my country now. You've got to believe in that, right? Trump was saying what he said was right. That we, 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 I, I want people here. I, it's not that I don't want immigrants here, but they must come in legally. Come in legally. Don't come in by the back door, right? Yeah, well, we, we certainly and, don't have uh, the, the number of illegal immigrants that the States does. Uh, Noel, thanks for your call. Hello? Hello, yes. Yeah, I was also going to say about the early gentleman said about the, that nothing happens in Canada. What about the wind government? How, how did she come into power with all that scandal? But still she was voted into power. Oh, well, you know what? That That's something we uh, talk about often here. She came into power because people voted for her. Yeah, that's... But, but the, so people vote for the wrong people out here, right? Well, right <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, okay, that's a, that's a subject for another day. Noel, thank you. No, because because they because they're wanting the immigrant vote. That's why. That's why this country is relying on the immigrant vote. Okay, Noel. Thanks for your okay. call. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, we have an American caller. We've got Jeff in Central Ohio. Hello, Jeff. Hey, how are you doing? Fine. How uh, are you? I I uh, well, I was, re- was a local Republican chairman for almost thirty years, and and you learn to watch people and kind of know what what people are doing. Uh, and I could see the shift towards Trump early on. It seemed like, at least in 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 Ohio, I, I definitely could tell Ohio for the most part was for Trump. Um, but we've seen political shifts in 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 Europe uh, lately. 
uh, was European Union and then different things. And I think we saw the same thing here early on. I think the policy, Obamacare wasn't popular with a lot of people. A lot of people were, you know, for the last eight years, were, were unhappy with, with, with uh, uh, the way things were going as far as there's a lot of people still that, that are looking for jobs. There's not as much work as there. The, the, a lot of people have been taken out of work in production, manufacturing. Those jobs haven't come back. I think you're just starting to see the FBI investigation probably had a little to do with it towards the end, and I and I really don't think the FBI was fair to come out the, publicly the way they did. Possibly that should have been done uh, a little bit differently. But I don't know if the FBI investigation cost Hillary the election. I think the election with the emails, the the pay-to-play politics, everything that started to come together through the, throughout the campaign was never fully addressed. And I think that really played a big role uh, overall in the election as well. Okay. Um, Thank you very much for that. Uh, Nice to hear from somebody who is actually living there and is actually uh, very directly affected by this. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Now, Paul... um, we're going to have to switch gears because we have other guests waiting. Um, so, uh, Paul, uh, what would you like to leave us with? I think the proof's in the pudding. We're going to have to watch closely uh, for Canadians. It's important. Uh, our trade relationship is uh, with the United States is huge, and I think we're going to have to see how he performs and uh, make look at the choices he makes, the policy choices he makes, because it's, it's important for Canada. It's important for the world. And we'll all be watching closely, I'm sure. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.